Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we are waiting for the drop of the Mueller report. And we're talking to someone who knows more about this case than just about anybody, Congressman Adam Schiff, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. He's in San Francisco talking with us about what to expect from the Mueller report and how his committee's work will keep going even after the report comes out and they're going to try and fill in the gaps that Mueller didn't reach. Next, Adam Schiff on It's All Political. Congressman Adam Schiff, welcome back to It's All Political. Thank you. Welcome back to San Francisco. And I'm pleased to inform you that you are the first non-chronicle staffer to make three appearances on the podcast, a milestone I'm sure you're very thrilled to learn of. Outstanding. I'm glad to be the first. <laughs> so we're, we're seeing sort of signs at the Mueller report, uh, maybe coming soon. You said that uh, you were just upstairs at the editorial board where you're speaking to the editorial board and some reporters. You said you expect it to be, quote unquote, skeletal. Help set expectations for us here. Do you think there's going to be something in there that's going to be consequential enough to reshape public opinion about the president? Well, first of all, I should say that I have very little visibility into uh, what uh, the special counsel intends to put in his report. Um, We also don't know whether we're going to get to see his report without a fight. Um, That report will go to the attorney general. The attorney general then will write his own report uh, and send that to Congress. Um, There is obviously enormous public pressure to make Mueller's report uh, public, not just some cliff note version by the attorney general. Uh, we voted 420 to zero in the House to do that. Uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, for whatever purposes he had, uh, uh, has uh, tried to stop that in the Senate. But it's reflective of the the immense public need to know. Um, whether that report will change attitudes is very hard to say. Um, it would have to, I think, uh, contain something quite explosive to do that because attitudes have so uh, gelled uh, already about the Russia investigation so much uh, is already in the public domain. Uh, So much of that, frankly, is so deeply uh, compromising of the president and those around him um, that I'm not sure what more it would take uh, to really move people. But uh, it's also not clear um, whether what we're going to get from Mueller is as you mentioned, skeletal, uh, like the Watergate roadmap, or more voluminous, like the Ken Starr report. But my expectation, frankly, is pretty limited. I think it's going to be just knowing Bob Mueller's nature, uh, very matter-of-fact, very to the point. Um, And it will address the decision or non-decision to prosecute, uh, but it may not go into what is most significant, and that is this began as a counterintelligence investigation. This began as an investigation into whether Uh, the president or those around him were compromised by a foreign power. Uh, That's how our investigation began. That's how our our investigation has always been. That may may not be the subject of his report. So even after the the report is out, your work on the Intelligence Committee, which you chair, will continue. And you want to see not only the skeletal report, you want to see the the underpinnings of it, because that can include information that goes to whether the president was compromised. Absolutely. And and probably the best example to give you is the example of Moscow Trump Tower. Um, this was a project that the president was seeking to build as a candidate for president, concealing it from the public. If it had gone through, it would have been the most lucrative deal of his life, as far as I can tell. 
uh, something that would have made him hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, now, he's not in the building business anymore. He's just in the business of licensing his name. So that would be a phenomenal amount of money to make. Um, they were seeking the Kremlin's help to make that deal happen. Um, and the Kremlin, of course, was on the other side of that transaction. And so while the president is denying any business dealings with the Russians, the Russians know that's a lie. Uh, and they were in a position to expose it at any time. That is obviously fundamentally compromising. It's also compromising if the president still intends to pursue that business opportunity. Because after all, when he was found out and it was revealed that he had been seeking to do this deal and seeking the Kremlin's help, his answer was, I might have lost my election. Why should I miss out on all those opportunities, um, i.e., why should I miss out on making all that money? Mm -hmm. It may very well be his attitude to this day. I may lose my reelection. Why should I miss out on making all that money? I'd be a fool to criticize Vladimir Putin or stand up to him because that will kill the deal. Um, if that's where the presence is coming from, then it needs to be exposed, uh, whether or not it's criminal. And so the special counsel may take the view that uh, there's no crime um, in compromising the country. Um, well, that may or may not be true, but uh, regardless, it needs to be exposed because the Congress may need to take action to protect the country. The American people should certainly know if the president is acting in his financial interests and not in their behalf. And then Congress could could take that a next step. If they believe that the president was being compromised, you would what would you do next? What would Congress what could Congress do next to ensure that, you know, whatever decisions he makes about Russia are not uh, dependent on his potential financial interests? Well, I mean, there are a range of things that the Congress can do. Um, in the first instance, I think we have to make sure that we expose all the compromise. Um, was it just this one deal? Were there other uh, financial uh, incentives for the president to change U.S. policy towards Russia? Uh, had the Russians been laundering money through the Trump organization? Um, are there other financial entanglements? So uh, the first, I think, remedy is disclosure and exposure. There may be legislative steps that need to be taken to protect the country. Uh, if the president is unwilling to confront the Russian aggression in Ukraine or elsewhere uh, because he wants to make more money from the Russians, then mm -hmm. the Congress knows, okay, the president's policies are colored by his financial interests, so we, we have to act uh, more strongly than we would otherwise or more skeptically of where the president's coming from. Uh, you know, in, in the most extreme case, um, the compromise of president could result in his removal through the impeachment process. Uh, when the founders devised the standard of high crimes and misdemeanors, misdemeanor had a different meaning. It wasn't a lesser crime. It, it meant essentially malfeasance in office. Um, and if a president is acting out of financial interest, pecuniary interest, uh, and sacrificing the country's interest to a hostile power, uh, that would be very much the kind of misdemeanor the the, the framers had in mind. Um, so you would be there because you've said uh, you're not on the impeachment train. Uh, your fellow Californian, Tom Steyer, has been uh, lobbying you. Or I don't know if lobbying is an official word, but is encouraging you and Pelosi to, to try to impeach the president or, or to support it. You are not there. But when, how, what could get you to support impeachment? Uh, I think that the, that uh, either Bob Mueller or our own investigation would have to reveal something of such um, clear and graphic uh, impropriety, criminality, that it changed attitudes in the country and in the Congress, um, and particularly among the GOP members. 
you know, sadly, the, the Republican members of Congress have had a nearly bottomless capacity um, for capitulation to this president. Uh, the fact that Republican senators, any of them, could vote to essentially nullify the Congress's most important power, the power of the purse, by affirming this emergency, this bogus emergency declaration. If they're not even willing to defend their own institution, then what, what uh, chance is there that they're going to uh, vote to remove the president because he's unfit for office? Practically none. Um, and I don't see, and, and I think the speaker shares this view, um, I don't see the benefit to the country and putting the country through a wrenching impeachment if we know that it will be unsuccessful in the Senate. Um, it would be like indicting someone um, knowing that you could not get a jury to convict. Um, and uh, at least when I was a prosecutor, uh, if we didn't feel that we could prove beyond a reasonable doubt the satisfaction of a jury, uh, we would not indict. Um, yeah. Even if we felt the person guilty, even if we felt the person deserved it, uh, and I think the same is true, uh, uh, and more true in case of a piece. And in this case, this, your jury would be the Senate, which exactly. is dominated by Republicans. Uh, your fellow Californian, fellow Intel member, uh, Eric Swalwell, Congressman Eric Swalwell, said that uh, lawmakers are working legislation to extend the statute of limitations for crimes committed by presidents, allowing them to be charged when their terms end. Um, do you agree with that? And are you helping to work on that? I certainly agree that no president should be able to evade justice by outlasting the statute of limitations. Who would have thought it would be necessary to pass such a law, but it may very well be. Um, we are going to have to legislate all kinds of norms uh, that we never thought would be necessary. Um, like this, I have a bill that would, uh, for example, address abuse of the pardon power by saying that if a president pardons someone in any case in which he or a family member is a witness, a subject, or a target, that the complete investigative files be provided to the Congress. Um, we will have to take steps like this. Now, it's not our expectation that the Republicans in the Senate will allow them to go forward now, but I do expect that when Trump is out of office that the Republicans who understand that this is necessary and good policy but are afraid to confront Trump will support these bills. Um, and uh, it's sad that we have to resort to this, but but we do. Uh, one more question. Uh, Congressman, I was in the, uh, the audience a couple of years ago at the California Democratic Party convention when you were speaking. I believe we spoke the next day. You're on your first appearance on It's All Political. And uh, someone in the audience yelled, we love you. And I think you said that's the first time that's happened outside of your wife. Telling you that, um, and now you have a lot of fans, the Schiff heads, and I'm really happy I said that correctly. Uh, even my the, the guy who teaches me bass, he wants to see how I can get tickets to see you. You know, get, trying to get me to get tickets. Now, unless Kamala Harris is elected president or vice president, uh, California Senate seat appear locked up for the next few years. Newsom's just elected. What's next for you? What's your five year plan? Where, where politically, for people who are the Schiff heads, they want to know what you're going to do next. You know, I, I have to say, when I hear five-year plan, I, I think of uh, Soviet farming <laughs> policy. Um, I know this is going to sound like a political answer, but honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've got a really full day job at the moment. Um, yeah. And I, I need to do everything I can from morning until night to uh, keep the, uh, the, the, the train of our democracy on the tracks right. uh, until this, this national nightmare is over. Uh, after that, I really don't know. Um, I, I have always felt that, um, you know, the best plan for the future was simply doing a good job with what you are assigned to do at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I'm 
comfortable letting the future uh, decide itself. But um, I uh, I would run for president, but I'm uh, like AOC, simply too young. <laughs> Very nicely done. <laughs> okay, Congressman, thank you for being on It's All Political again. My pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening today. I'd like to thank Congressman Adam Schiff for being here. I'd like to thank Libby Coleman for wonderfully producing today's podcast. I'd like to thank myself for saying Schiff heads and not saying something we'd have to bleep out. And remember, whether you're indicted or not, it's all political. It's All Political is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Garofoli. Thanks.